Good morning. You guys can take a seat. Um, I'm Kim Newmeyer, for anyone who doesn't know me. Thanks, Phil. And I'm the worship arts director here at Canyon Hills Friends Church, and I get to close out our series, What a Mess, by talking about worship. And uh, But before I start, I would like to ask you a question, and I'm going to sing a song. Surprise! Um, to pose this question to you, and it's this. Just as Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and they celebrated him, here's my question. What would you do if Jesus entered this room right now? I want you to really consider that question. If he walked in through those back doors right now, what would you do? What would you do if he walked into the room? What would you do if he walked into the room? What would you say if he walked? do if you walked into the room what would you do if you walked into the room what would you do if you walked into
that's, that's kind of what we would do, right? Although, I don't know, maybe we'd do a little bit more. Well, the reality is that every time we gather together on Sunday, he is in this room. And if I'm totally honest, stick with me, there are some Sundays where I look across at some of your faces and I wonder if you know that he's here. Do you know that the king of the universe is in this room and present and that he is the reason that we're here? Do you know that? I honestly wonder sometimes. And then God's like, mm, Kim, don't judge other people. And he tells me and reminds me, and we'll see this in scripture, that worship is mainly a matter of the heart, which means there's no way for me to know how hard or true anyone in this room is worshiping. Only God knows that, right? And I have to acknowledge that not everybody is like me. I get it, okay? Not everyone gets as excited as me. You're not as expressive. We've got some introverts. Not everybody got to study voice for 10 years. You know, I get that. I understand and I acknowledge that. Um, But I still want to ask this question. What is the purpose of worship then? If we get together on Sunday morning, how does worship relate to turning our mess into a message? Why do we do it? Well, we're summarizing this series with worship because worship helps us refocus. And the common thread that I've seen in this entire series, if I were to think of every message that we've had so far, the folk that they the common thread has been refocus, which basically means putting Jesus back at the center, right? We've talked about this every time, that we take ourselves out of the center and we have an eternal perspective. When we do that, God can turn any mess into a message of hope. And gathering together to worship God helps us to refocus. It's one of the reasons that we do it. So I want to start talking about what worship is And then I want to look at the Palm Sunday scriptures and see how they point to these principles of worship and how we can respond. So first thing we're going to do is talk definitions. So fun. No? I know. But we need to. We got to start at the the beginning. So there's really two ways that we use the word worship, okay? In the Christian world, there's two ways. One is worship, like how is worship today? As in the part of church service where we sing songs. So church music, essentially, right? That's kind of how we use the word worship. And then there's the dictionary definition of worship, which is feeling and expressing reverence and adoration for God. So we'll start there. Now, another uh, definition of worship comes from the word history of the word worship, which actually comes from a word pronounced worth-ship. It's combining those two words, worth-ship. And what that means is putting on display or acknowledging the worth of something. Acknowledging or displaying worth, which is really cool because Scripture talks about two ways that we acknowledge or display God's worth. Um, You can find that in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. So those two ways... That, we, that you're going to see is acts of praise, and that's when we say worship as in church music, but it also means testimony, sharing your testimony. It means giving thanks out loud, acts of praise, and then there are acts of love. And this is the 
Our whole lives are worship. Everything we do is worship. That's Romans 12.1. So let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we see them both there. The acts of praise are the fruits of lips that acknowledge his name, and the acts of love are doing good and sharing what we have. But of course, going back to our dictionary definition, you can't have true acts of praise and true honest acts of love if you don't have reverence and adoration for God. And this is why I said earlier that worship is mainly a matter of the heart. In other words, the essence of worship is internal. And there are external parts of worship that matter, and we'll talk about that, but they are pointless. Those external expressions of worship are pointless if they are not connected to the heart. And how do I know this? Because Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 9. Jesus is talking about the uh, Jewish leaders at the time. He's quoting an Old Testament verse from Isaiah, and he says this. Look at these people. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And the word vain here literally means zero. He's saying their worship amounts to zero, nothing. It is not worship. Why? Because their hearts are far from God. Okay, so that's not worship. What kind of worship does count for something then? If it's not just lip service and following rules like the Pharisees were doing, what is worship? Well, Jesus points to what the essence of worship is in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. And this is the key scripture for today. This is everything is laid on this foundation. This is where Jesus basically gives his definition of what worship is. So if you don't get anything else, write down John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Go read it and pray over it and see what God tells you. All right. This is what he says. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So I still have to get to the Palm Sunday scripture, so I'm trying to lay this foundation kind of quickly, okay? So hear me out. The the Cliff Notes version or explanation of this, worshiping in spirit and in truth, is this. When he says spirit, he's talking about the soul, our inner being, the part where life and affection lies. We'll call it the heart, the same heart that Jesus referenced in Matthew 15. Their hearts are far from me, okay? That's the spirit. And when he says truth, he means reality. The Greek literally means not just honest, but it means reality, what is real in the world. So worshiping in spirit and in truth is having strong affections for God rooted in truth. I'll say that one more time. Having, um, worshiping in spirit and in truth is having strong affections for God rooted in truth. So, Both kinds of worship um, are mainly a matter of the heart, whether we're talking about our whole life as worship through the acts of love or whether we're talking about the acts of praise. So I'm going to recap really quick. You with me still? Yes? Okay, here we go. Worship is mainly a matter of the heart. Worship is having reverence and adoration for God because of his supreme worthiness. Worship is putting the worth 
of God on display, and we display God's worth through acts of praise with our lips out loud and acts of love with our actions. So the kind of worship that I want to talk about today is the acts of praise that we give to God to display his worthiness when we're together as a church body, okay? That's what I want to talk about. So the question is, why have church? Like, why do we gather together, and why do we bother to display God's worth as a unit? Because the answer is that we display God's worth better when we are together. We display God's worth better when we display it together. Think about an art gallery. When you go, do, you, do they put up one piece of art? No, they put up all the works, all of them, to display the work, right? Does this make a very good song? La. No, it's boring. Are you with me? No, somebody tell me you're with me. No, it's boring. It's one note. There are no words. There's no harmony. There's no rhythm. That's why I think God uses music to have us praise him because all those things work together and they put on a great display. We can display him better when we do it together. And we do this all the time with other things, by the way, without thinking about it, okay? Um, because we want to share things, right? We can't help it. Um, we, we, we share, like, memes. At least I do all the time. When I find something funny, I share it. Um, so, like this, right? You find something funny, you want to laugh about it. Um, hey, Alec. Um, you want to laugh about it, right? You want to share it because what good is it laughing about it on your own or when we talk about LeBron and his sports stats, which I don't know anything about. I just know that Matt mentioned him last week and something happened to him. Did so, I don't know. Is it? Okay, sorry, sports people. But anyway, the point is that we, have, we put value in those things, right? We're like amazed by somebody's skill or we think something is funny and so we want to be amazed about it together and so the fruit of our lips profess the meme and the fruit of our lips profess LeBron's strats, right? And we talk about these things out loud. We acknowledge them and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. You can talk shop and cars and recipes all you want. But what I'm saying is we gather together here every Sunday to do that specifically for Jesus, Amen? That's why we get together. Now, here's the really cool part. This is, this is mm, why I love Jesus. Because he is worthy of it, right? It would be enough because he is God and he is holy and there's nobody like him. It would be enough for us to just come together and talk about how awesome he is, right? That's it. But God is good and he's gracious. And he tells us to do this because it encourages us. Scripture tells us specifically, you need to get together and you need to talk about who I am and what I can do because you're going to forget and you're going to lose hope. And when this person is strong, their faith is going to help this person who's weak. You need to get together and you need to praise and acknowledge my name together. How do I know this? Because Scripture tells me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 16 through 18 says this, When you are praising God in spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of inquirer, say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying. Verse 17, you're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. Edified just means encouraged. So in context, this scripture is talking about speaking in tongues, actually. And he's saying, look, if you're doing your thing and you're talking and nobody can understand you, what good is it? 
But the principle is the same. If you're here and you're praising God in, by yourself all the time, well, you're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is encouraged. If you don't say it out loud, how do we know? I'm not saying you have to do it out loud here during the song time specifically, but maybe when you fellowship or when you get together, right? We have to talk about him and encourage one another. Hebrews 10, chapter 23, verse 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There's our acts of love, right? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This implies that meeting together encourages us. That is what that scripture is saying, and that's what it implies. Now, if you're at home watching this, I, this is not about COVID. This is not, I'm not making you feel guilty about being at home at all, okay? I'm just saying the purpose, the reason that we gather together is to encourage one another. And you've been gone for a while, we miss you. So when you're ready, please come back. And if you're new online and we've never met you, I can't wait for you to come. We want to meet you, for reals. Okay, so here we go. We're almost ready for Palm Sunday scriptures. You ready? Okay, okay. But first, I'm going to recap real quick, and I need your help. Um, I need you to help me finish the sentence, because I need to know that you're with me. Here we go. Worship is mainly a matter of the... Worship is having reverence and adoration for God because of his supreme... And if you're a Star Wars fan, I'm so sorry, because every time I say supreme, I think of the supreme leader Snoke. Anybody? Am I the only one? I'm the only nerd. Okay, that's fine. I understand. Okay, worship is having reverence and adoration for God because of his supreme worthiness. Okay, worship is putting the worth of God on. We display God's worth through acts of praise and acts of. And why do we display God's worth with acts of praise as a church body? Because we display God better together and to encourage one another. All right, so now you got to keep all these things in your mind as we jump into Palm Sunday scriptures because some of these things might be a little hard to swallow if we don't remember all of this. Are we ready? Okay, there are three things. There's actually way more, but I don't have time to talk about them. There are three things that I saw in Palm Sunday scriptures that, um, that point to these principles of worship, and they are this. One, you have to know God to worship God, which we already saw in John chapter 4, right? Spirit and truth. Two, God rejects false worship. We already know that because in John chapter 4, he said true worship is this. And if there's true worship, then there must be false worship. And lastly, we are made to worship, which him talking about worship in John chapter 4 implies already. So here we go. We know Palm Sunday is about Jesus entering Jerusalem. He's got his donkey so he can fulfill those prophecies he's writing in. And this is where we jump in, Matthew 21, verses 9 through 11. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? And the crowds that were with him answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You have to know God in order to worship him. How does this scripture point to that? The crowd that is walking with Jesus is full of different uh, disciples. There's his 12 disciples who knew him very well. And then there's those who see him as a political savior. 
right? Those who are saying, yes, this is our guy. We're gonna get freed from this oppression. He is our political earthly savior. And so they are worshiping him in spirit. Boy, their hearts are in it. They're like, this is the dude and they're stoked, but they're not worshiping in truth because they don't really know who he is. They've put expectations on Jesus that he never intended to meet. And so just a few days later, they're gonna cry for him to be crucified. They are not worshiping in truth. So we have to have both, right? Now here's the cool part. There were his 12 disciples who were with him and they were shouting the same thing too. They were saying, Hosanna, and they're excited. Here comes Jesus. And Jesus actually affirms their worship because the Pharisees who are walking with them, and they, they hear them shouting this and they say to Jesus, they're like, uh, can, you, you need to make them stop saying that. And his response is, mm, um, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, I am worthy of this praise. Yes, they are to praise me. This praise is good because if they don't, somebody will, the rocks will, because I'm the king of the universe, okay? So he's affirming their praise. So we know that some of the disciples are worshiping in spirit and in truth. But the cool part is, and it's kind of like us, if you've been a believer for a while, the truth is, is we don't fully know God we don't know all of him yet. There's no way that we know the full depth of his love and who he is. And the, and the disciples even there see that because it says in John chapter 12, verse 16, this is the John account, that when they thought about him riding in on the donkey, it says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that this, these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. They're like, oh, Oh man, Jesus did that because of that. Oh, he said this because of that. And that's our whole life, right? Our whole life, we're learning more about who he is and what he's done and why he said this and why he did that. So church, how do we respond to this? You have to know God in order to worship him. We respond by choosing to get to know him better. We get to know God better. None of us know him all the way. Now, the disciples had Jesus in the flesh, and then they had the Holy Spirit, right? We have Scripture and the Holy Spirit. So that's it. That's my encouragement to you for this one. Let's get in the Word. Let's ask God to show us more of who He is. Show me who you are, God. Let me know who you are, because when we know Him, the more we know Him, the more we're going to praise Him. Paul prayed for the Ephesians. He, he said this in uh, Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Lord, I pray right now that as a church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Amen. All right, let's move on. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. So Jesus has entered Jerusalem, and now he is going into the temple. And uh, he's not happy. Let's see what happens. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. God rejects false worship. And before 
I get into that, more of what that means. I just want to say this. God rejects false worship, but he doesn't reject us. He doesn't reject you or me. If you're a believer, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, not even false worship, okay? Um, but you'll see that this kind of gets messy. We would all say, of course, we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Well, if you're anything like me, I know that I kind of do some of these things. So what is false worship? I'm going to talk about two that I saw in this scripture. The first is obligational or habitual worship. This is the Matthew 15 worship. These people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me kind of worship. This is, I turn in my dove, right? I purchase my dove, I turn in my dove, and I get my good status back. Done, check, mark. This is, I go to church so I don't get pestered. Done, check, mark. I met my obligation. I fulfill the tradition. I check the box so I can move on to what I really want to do. It's a burden disconnected from the heart. Now, what about a sacrifice of praise, though? What's the difference between doing, you know, meeting an obligation and making a sacrifice of praise? Because remember in Hebrews 13, it says to make a sacrifice. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Because I got to be honest with you, church. I struggle with obligational worship. When my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning, I do not wake up this excited. <laughs> I am really tired I am exhausted, and I am thinking of all the ways I can hit snooze again. Like, what if I do my makeup after rehearsal at church or whatever? And then I'm like, oh, but I have an obligation to be there. But then at the same time, I do love Jesus, and I really do think he's worthy. And then at the same time, I'm still exhausted, and I still want to sleep. Do you see how messy this gets? See how messy it is? So I, I, I struggle with obligational worship but I also want to make a sacrifice to God. So what's the difference between obligations and sacrifices? Because both involve us doing something that we would rather not do. An obligation, though, is purely transactional. And it's usually done to avoid a consequence or to get something that we want. Whereas a sacrifice is something that we would rather not do, but we do it for the sake of someone or something else. And I do both on Sunday morning. What are you going to do with that? I don't know, but God handles it, so I'm good. Um, just a quick illustration for um, obligational versus sacrifice in worship. When you go to a restaurant and it's your birthday, and uh, if you're a kid, you like them having to sing happy birthday to you, right? Um, well, my kids do. So um, the workers there are obligated to sing happy birthday to the birthday person, right? They have a contractual obligation. Most of the time, I've noticed they're not thrilled <laughs> to be singing happy birthday, okay? They're like, oh my gosh, who's going to start it? <laughs> happy birthday, okay? Right? It's an obligation. But think about when you're together with your family in your home, and you're gathered around that one person that you just love and you want to celebrate them and honor them. And you have the cake and you're lighting the candles and you're walking it up to the person, right? And your whole family's gathered together and someone's got to do the awkward, happy birthday to, right? And then everybody joins in and you all sing happy birthday to that person because you love them and you want to celebrate them and you want to honor them. Church, my job 
Our job when we're up here is just to do the happy. That's it. And then we all join together and worship and celebrate God. Even though I come with obligation and sacrifice and selfishness and tiredness, right? But God can sort that out. So there's a difference between obligation and sacrifice. Maybe some of you want to choose to start sacrificing whatever it is, embarrassment, so that we can praise God together? I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I really am careful about it because worship is mainly a matter of the heart, right? So I don't, both are there. Okay, next one, consumer worship. Whoo, this, this acts, consumer worship, this is when we act as if worship exists for us. This is all spirit, no truth. This is about me and my my needs and my wants. I'm going to walk in here and I just want to get, I want to be distracted. You know, I want this to be really good music. I just, you know, take me away. Um, I, I just really want to feel it, right? Um, in, the, in the scripture, it's like I buy my dove, buy my dove and I make my sacrifice so I can have a clear conscience. I feel good about myself. I'm going to feel better. It's, it's about me, right? Um, and I have another birthday party illustration to kind of show how we do this. Specifically, our culture, but I don't know, I'm sure, I don't know. I'll let God do that. So here's the birthday party illustration, okay? Suppose it's my daughter's birthday, which actually is on Tuesday, and I say, hey, Sophie, let's have a birthday party. You can invite your whole class, and we're going to rent out Sky Zone. Okay, this is pre-COVID, whatever. We're going to rent out Sky Zone, and all of your friends can come, unlimited three-hour jumping, all the arcades you want. We're going to do unlimited candy cupcakes. How many kids from your class do you think would come to the party? All of them would want to come, right? Yeah, I want, I want to go to that party. Okay, well, what if we couldn't do that? What if we just got together at the house, and they just bought a present, and we had some cake, and we sang you happy birthday, and we just hung out together and had a good time? How many people from your class do you think would come? maybe one or two, like your really good closest friends, right? Okay, suppose now that I say, we're gonna do the Sky Zone party and we do the whole party and all the kids from class show up and they're playing, they're jumping, they're having a great time and I pull Sophie aside and I say, Sophie, aren't you glad that all these people are here to celebrate you? Do you think she would be fooled by that? She knows they're there for Sky Zone not there for her. And that's what we do to God. When we say, I want to go, I'm going to go worship and I want it to be for me. I want to feel good today. I really want to feel it. Now remember on this, this is what is so cool about God. Worship is meant to encourage us, right? We already saw that. It's meant for that. But when the heart is in a place of me, 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 then, how, then God's like, no, that's not it. That's not it. Let me encourage you. Not the music, not who's singing, not who the speaker is. Let me encourage you. Let the truth of who I am encourage you. So both of these types of false worship put ourselves at the center. And as I was saying earlier, we, we, 
well, at least I do. I wrestle with this, right? And it gets really messy. We're selfish and we have conflicting motives and thoughts and all these things. But the good news is, is that Jesus sorts through it. He knows probably better than you how much of your worship is consumer or, or uh, out of habit or whatever, out of obligation, but God can sort it. So if you see any of this in yourself, I would say, don't be discouraged. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest with God and with ourselves because his grace is sufficient. He really just wants you to come to him. So what do we do with that, church? Well, I would say, let's repent. Let's repent of false worship and let's commit to pursue true worship. Worship in spirit and in truth. And let's be honest with him about everything. And again, this is why it was so important for me to talk about what worship is because it's rooted in reality, right? The more we know who Jesus really is and who we are in relationship to him, the more of that reality we know and accept, the more he can turn our messes into a message. So I don't wanna wait till the end and you're all thinking, woo, music is playing, we're almost done. Ah! No, we're not. Almost though, we are almost done, but we're not done yet, okay. I don't wanna wait to the end. I don't wanna wait to the end to give us a chance to respond, to, to be able to repent, okay? And I'm not saying you're all, you're all gonna be like, yeah, I need, I need to repent. You're all gonna fall on your knees and cry. That's not what I'm saying. When we do these response times, church, it's just to give you an opportunity. It's to give you the chance to make a commitment or make a decision. It's to give you a chance to hear from God. That's it. So I wanna do that right now. So just invite you to meet with Jesus. Go meet with him right now. Be honest with him. Repent, hear his voice, do whatever you need to do. I'm gonna just sing a little bit of a song and we're gonna meet with Jesus. about you, Jesus. 
I want to invite you to sing if you want that we're coming back as a church, as a unit, as a body. We're coming back. Sing, we're coming back to the heart. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. We're sorry, Lord, for the thing we made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Amen. Lord, so thankful for your truth, God. We don't want to make this place or our hearts a den of robbers. We don't want to be false, God. We want to be honest with you, and we want to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we got, oh, am I back? Can you hear me? Okay. We got one more thing. <clears throat> After Jesus turns the tables in the temple, the people begin bringing sick people and blind people, and he is healing them in the temple. And the children who see this start shouting in the temple courts. They say, Hosanna to the son of David. And then the leaders, the Pharisees, it says, were indignant. And they said, do you hear? They say, Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus responds in Matthew 21, verse 16. He says, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never heard from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Jesus is quoting Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, and another version of it reads like this. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Church, we are made to praise. The word ordained here means to set or to found, to establish, to instruct. And the same um, Hebrew word for ordained is used when Solomon is building the temple and he's talking about setting the, the stones, the emeralds, setting up beautiful emerald stones on a temple to be displayed so we could show God's glory in the temple. Does that sound familiar? We are to put God's worth on display. We are literally set to do that. We are made to do that. And yes, church, we are made to do that, not just with our actions, but with our lips. With the fruit of our lips, we acknowledge his name, as Hebrews 13 says. If you know God, you've got to praise God. If you know him, praise him. Because if you do acts of love, if we worship and we display his worth through acts of love, how will anybody know that you're displaying God's love if you don't talk about it, if they don't know that you are a Jesus follower. You have to acknowledge his name. We have to do both, church. Do you want people to say, he's a really nice guy. She's so nice. She's so sweet. She does all these great things. Or do we want them to say, he serves a great God. Who, what God does she serve that she keeps saying these things and doing these things. We have to acknowledge it. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily mean, church, that you have to sing when we get together here in this room, okay? It's not the case that I'm building. I mean, 
it would be really cool if we all were so excited that we did that, but matter of the heart. Okay. Um, But I do want to point out just a few things about gathering together to worship and not singing. Because you don't have to sing to praise him and acknowledge him when we're gathered together. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some of these scriptures. I'm going to read these psalms, okay? And I'm going to ask you, extroverts, get ready, because the introverts are about to die. I'm going to ask you to tell me out loud, what is the thing that this scripture says you can do to praise God that is not singing? Okay, so here's the example. Shout to joy to God. Shout. Okay, there it is. That's what we're doing. You guys ready? All right, so here we go. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds? Say, we speak, right? Okay. Um, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Psalm 95. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Bow down, kneel, yeah, okay. Uh, Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people. Ah, Yes. Okay, look, we could read all day. We can shout to God. We can speak about him. You can say amen when you agree with something. You can get excited. This is not, this is, we're a family, and we're talking and learning about Jesus. And when you get excited about something and you agree with something, you have the freedom to do that here. Did you know that? You do, you have it. So we can shout, we can say things, we can make a sound, we can declare things, we can bow down, we can kneel, we can clap, we can bless God, we can lift our hands, we can dance, we can lay face down on the floor. These are all in scripture. These are all ways that we can acknowledge God together when we gather. Now, if you do happen to like to sing, I have a cool thing for you, just as a side note. We have started a Spotify playlist, okay? If you're on Family Talk, um, it's, it's in there. The link is in there in Family Talk. If you're not and you're like, what is Family Talk? Give us your email address and we'll email you and then you'll have it. So go to Spotify and listen to the songs. We started a playlist of songs we're singing on Sunday morning. Now you can listen to them in advance and you can come ready to praise. And I want you specifically to learn a new song, if you can, called Son of Heaven. It's on the Spotify playlist and I want you to learn it for Easter. Yeah? Maybe? If you want to. If your heart's in it. Okay. All right, so church, we might, you might not feel like you are made to sing, but we are certainly all made to praise, okay? So this is what I want to close with. I want to encourage us, I'm going to have the band come up while I do this. I want to encourage us and invite us as a church to grow in worshiping in spirit and in truth, because we can all grow in that. None of us are perfect yet, right? And because worship displays the worthiness of God, it helps us to refocus, right? Do we want to encourage one another? Let's encourage one another when we gather together. This means, and this is what I pray for, that when we gather together every Sunday morning to worship and to praise God, that we would know that that no one is judging anybody else, that one person can worship extravagantly and expressively like I do because I... So sorry. Sorry, Gary. Um, Right? Or another person can worship quietly and to themselves and bow their head. And it doesn't matter because we're all just focused on Jesus and worshiping in spirit and in truth. And if someone wants to say amen or get excited, we can do that. And we're not going to be like, what a weirdo. (laughs) Right? Okay. I'm so glad we're all on the same page about this. 
So church, here is my call. Let's get to know God better. Better. <laughs> Let's unlearn false worship. And let's put God on display in spirit and in truth. So I'm going to close out, not with a song. I want to read a psalm together. And it's one of the ways that, you know how we talked about shouting and bowing down and clapping? Well, Scripture says that you can also clash cymbals together to praise him. So that's going to happen, so don't be surprised. But I just want to close by reading this psalm. So would you stand up and let's read this psalm together. In fact, would you read it with me? It's going to be up on the screen. Okay. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.